0: I pierced and but a huge third down conversion. You got the game the on? Side, yep. On the move, down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He, he won't the say the score. laid up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come out of the on, gun. Come on, who's winning? Right falls towards the right corner, complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah, say the damn score. <laughs> You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast, part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. But before we get started with today's podcast, here's a short message from the Say The Damn Score marketing team. Hey, marketing team, get over here. I'm on my way. What's up? You need to tell our great listeners about the Critique Crew service. Oh, I'd be happy to. Say The Damn Score offers a critique service. You send us 8 to 10 minutes of your work, and we have one of our nine expert broadcasters listen to your work and provide detailed written feedback of your strengths, weaknesses, and places you can improve. Many coaching and critique services are expensive, not ours. For just over 30 bucks, you can receive a professional critique of your work. Whether you're a young broadcaster coming up short in the job market or a veteran trying to reach the next level, for the price of a happy hour tab, you could be on your way to becoming a better broadcaster. Visit SayTheDamnScore.com slash critique crew or click on the Critique Crew link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Hey, production team, get back over here. Welcome to episode 72 of the Say the Damn Score podcast. As you just heard the big voice guy say, I'm Logan Anderson, a freelance sportscaster in the Twin Cities. As always, this podcast is dedicated to sportscasting and talking to guests and having them share their stories about their paths to success and ways to improve in the business. I usually try to keep my openings pretty short because when I listen to podcasts, frankly, I just want to dive into the content. But today's show's guest is Katie Emmer, a young woman from the Twin Cities who in June was the first female award winner of the Jim Nance Award, which is the award for the best collegiate sportscaster during the 2017-2018 seasons. Talking to Katie, a really talented young person, made me kind of just want to go down memory lane and listen to a little bit of my old work. And after cringing deeply, I've decided to give you guys all a short moment of entertainment, and I'm going to play a short clip of a highlight from my college broadcast 10 years ago uh, as a student broadcaster. Disclaimer, it's bad. He takes a snap, fakes the handoff, he has a man, he has killed him. Set her- I promise I'm a lot better than that now, but it shows that most of us start off, maybe not as bad as that, but certainly not good. If you watch Katie's reel, which I have linked to in the show notes, she already sounds like a seasoned professional. The amount of talent that she has, I think she has an incredibly bright future, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if she ended up being one of the stars in our industry in the not-so-distant future. So anyway... After all that time, I'm really happy to welcome Katie Emmer to the podcast. What was the experience of going to the National Sports Media Association event and picking up your award in front of some of the titans of the industry like?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, before we went on air, I told you how that experience kind of was. I was overwhelmed. I, um, we'll go back to when I applied for the award in college, I'm starting to graduate. I just wanted a lot of feedback and national awards is what I want feedback from people that tell me maybe my Minnesota accent isn't the best, work on this, stop doing this and I actually got feedback better than I would anticipate in getting the award. Um but yeah, then going there, still learning a little bit more about, you know, the excitement of this with the Sportscasters talent agency met John Chelesnick, and I told you when I accepted that award and got up there on stage, I was overwhelmed at what I saw in the crowd. tons of people to support me and tons of people there to support other um, talent in the nation, especially professional talent. I was the only collegiate talent, so that was fun, but it was definitely uh, an exciting hard work or uh, it was exciting uh, an exciting year. Uh, worked really hard and it was kind of my I like to say my graduation ceremony is going up there and accepting that.
0: We talked to Nate Gatter on this show last year, who won it, and I told him, you know, they didn't actually have the Jim Nance Award when I was graduating from college, but I would have been dead last on that. Oh. It never would have had any chance. But
1: I wouldn't what rule was, that out. I think you
0: might have. <laughs> what would he, I guess? What was the? The process of going through being judged like you sent in yeah. your stuff. Is there interviews? Is there, is it just they listen to your stuff and they call you and give feedback? How does that go?
1: Yep. So I, um, submitted my talent reel, which usually is a sizzle reel. And by sizzle to some people who might not know what that is, it's clips from different events. So I worked this, some Super Bowl events. It'd be five seconds of a hit with interviewing someone. And then it'd be five seconds of this it, really quick. Uh, initially, I sent them that reel, um, all TV, all interviews, hosting, just an arrange of or arrangement of things. They, um, John Chleznik, gave me a call. Was the founder of the agency and said that, uh, "Hey, we need stuff that's a little longer. So, what they want to see is how you hold yourself. Uh, you know, probably thirty-second to a minute segments each. So, I rearranged the whole thing, sent it off, and no, there weren't any interviews. I just sent them that that video that was probably fifteen minutes in length, um, and then they. Uh, I guess went through several different, um, they made a top 50, they made a top 20, and then the top 10, and then I was the finalist. So
0: so do they tell you as they're making those cuts along no. the way, or you no. just find out when you win?
1: You know what's funny is I was called uh, a Friday in June, I think the first Friday, and I, um, I was sort of wondering the beginning of that week, I'm like, oh, maybe I just, I didn't hear anything, it was just another, I was like, oh, that's fine, you know, I just didn't get anything back, or... And then it's that Friday I had a voicemail from John Chelesnick. Hey, we'd like to congratulate you. I still have it. It was awesome. And all of a sudden Twitter started blowing up and every my family, you know, giving me a shot. It was really a fun moment, but <laughs> didn't know it until that, that exact minute that they announced it. So,
0: Part of the Jim Nance Award is, I believe, that Jim Nance eventually gives the winner a call. Has yes. that happened yet?
1: I have a funny story with that. So, yes, it has, but I took, as I I mentioned earlier, to some people might not know, I finished college. I took six college courses this summer. I kid you not, I'm typing a paper that's due in an hour, and I get a call from an unknown number, I pick it up, and I was like, no, I'm going to leave that. I have to work on this, get this paper done. Submit the paper an hour later. Kitty Emmer, Jim Nance, calling from, you know, leaves me a voicemail, again, that I will keep forever. I'm so bummed I missed it, but... The thing is now is uh PJ championship he had last week. The guy is a busy guy. Um I'm so excited when I do get to I think it'll probably be this weekend maybe. Um but I haven't had the chance. We're just making sure we have all the time in the world to sit down and and talk. So for me too, I'm kind of slowing down in my summer schedule, so it'll be nice to talk to him soon here.
0: So the next time there's an unknown number, you'll answer. I it. will
1: uh definitely be answering that. Yes. Um it was exciting. Yeah. You know what? I hate to say this. I'm almost happy I didn't answer it because now I have this voicemail for the rest of my life. So.
0: Yeah, I would. I had Bob Costas on this show, oh, and wow. I remember I actually. So he had to. Usually, I call people. Yeah. And he wasn't going to give out his number, so I had to do this at my former work. He called our studio, and I just remember hearing, "Hi, Logan. This is Bob Costas." And I'm just like, "Like, you needed to tell me that." But <laughs> it's uh.
1: It's, it's, pretty it's surreal. just fun to hear them say your name. It's like you're saying my name right now. It's it's pretty cool. So um, and he's been highly admired by many, and especially me. So it was it's really a fun moment. It's surreal. So
0: so you just finished six summer classes
1: on Friday. This past Friday. Yep. What
0: what classes were you taking?
1: <laughs> Woo. Well, a lot of generals. I took uh, interpersonal communications, which is a comp- I'm a mass communications major, but interpersonal communications, um, intercultural communications, finance. That was super fun. Love math. Cause then to top it off, I was taking stats at the same time online. Um, what were my other ones? I had a communication in the workplace and then a conflict in the workplace. Kind of got a whole different, just in a range of things, but I like to sum it up by saying I can now do numbers. I know math. I know how to not con not, not, I know how to communicate in the workplace to avoid conflict in the workplace, and I know how to communicate. Period. So,
0: so a whole bunch of stuff that you probably <laughs> really didn't need to take.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, it all it all adds up and it all um pays off hopefully. So um yeah, it was it feels good to get it done. I transferred initially to St. Cloud, um so I was a semester off in a way. So it's good to kind of finish that up and not have to do a whole other year this year.
0: Yeah, you kind of touched. On where I wanted to go next, you transferred from a college in Hawaii yes. for your first semester. Yes. Going from Minnesota to Hawaii, Everyone
1: says this. why would
0: you come back?
1: <laughs> well, uh, oh, this is a long story. I was a three-sport athlete. It's a
0: podcast, so you okay. can take your time.
1: All right. I was a three-sport athlete in high school, um, volleyball, basketball, softball, and I was going to actually play softball for Minneso- Minnesotans who would know Hamlin University is in St. Paul. I was just going to keep it simple, you know, play at a small Division II school. Uh, actually, Division III. Nah, yeah. And um, just play the game I love. And then my cousin, who is from Los Angeles, she was playing at Hawaii at the time, a third baseman, calls me up and says, you should think about coming out here. I was like, I kid you not, a week before my high school graduation ceremony changed my mind, bought the tickets, got accepted. Took my, um, softball, cause I'm a, I was a catcher, so I had a hockey bag almost of softball equipment, and I also packed my clothes and everything in there and went out to Hawaii. Um, walked on. Coach ended up getting fired the second week of, uh, classes. Then I walked on to the basketball team. Um, smallest, five foot eight. <laughs> Minnesotan, you could see out there compared to the Samoans. Um, there's a lot of taller, uh, very good at basketball women on that team. Um, but it was a fun experience to go through that whole entire, uh, transition to college sports is a big leap for me and I love sports so much. Uh, knew I wanted to do broadcasting but they didn't offer programs out there and, um, college got expensive because the scholarship softball option didn't work out. So then I, <laughs> you're staring at me like, wow, what a story. Um, came back home though. Uh, Because it was so expensive and then decided, you know what, the best school for me is St. Cloud State. And they have an amazing program. So St.
0: Cloud State, what is good about their program? You said it's amazing. Tell me why.
1: Yeah, so my dad actually mentioned, I was thinking I have to go to New York. I have to go to L.A. I need to do something. You know, that's where the the, uh, action is for for sports broadcasting. And actually they just, at the time, this was three summers ago, invested millions into their studios. They have a green screen studio. They have a radio studio, uh, a live game studio, replay, uh, full newsroom. It's a er, new, full newsroom and a full news, uh, news studio as well. So it was, um, Oh my gosh, I was blown away. I walked through it and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to apply. And, and the thing is too, is there is a, a wide open channel, UTVS, that you can add any, any sort of show you want to do. We had a guy that called it Husky Tonight and he would make kind of SNL shows and you can take your time and make your own shows and be creative. And, um, they love that. So it was really fun. It's very hands on.
0: Did you make any Husky Tonight shows?
1: No. I did a couple. I, my acting debut, uh, broke out this year, actually. <laughs> Excuse me. And I, um, I forgot what they made me do. But, uh, I just, had a little acting debut, I think I had a drop a water bottle or something for a scene that they had it was they're really good at what they do though it's <laughs> it's fun to get involved like I said, and there's a lot of students that are ambitious to uh, learn more about it
0: so you said you knew you wanted to go into broadcasting yep. what point did you know that and why
1: um my mom if uh, she hears this she's gonna be she's gonna be very happy I say this because apparently when I was twelve she told me that she I don't remember it. But she said that this was the job she wanted me to do or she saw me doing. Um, For me personally, though, I realized it the most when I had to uh, say goodbye to softball, hang it up. I came home from Hawaii. I actually was coaching, and I still was 18 or I was 19, but I was still able to play softball in 18U that summer. But once I had to hang it up for sports, I knew I wanted to stick around them a little bit longer. Um, and I have six brothers, big hockey family, and I love the, the sport of hockey. So going out to St. Cloud, it was um, the best choice for me because I'm around a great hockey town, a great hockey team. And I just want to be around sports, even though I can't be in them, if that makes sense. So.
0: How did being a middle child with six (laughs) brothers helped to build that passion Uh, for sports.
1: It was great. You know, I, I'd like to say the passion started when my oldest brother trip strapped me up with pillows on my knees and a pillow on my chest and put a, a normal hockey helmet on me to take, you know, shots and net in our backyard rink. But, um, they, they really helped toughen me up. Uh, it's crazy. My dad will say that I'm the one that likes sports the most out of the six boys. I think he's partly right. But, uh, I think in another aspect, they, they frame me up for a great future of just being tough in this industry and not taking a, you know, a no for an answer. Um, cause I learned at a young age that I had to stick up for myself being the only girl in those six boys. So, um, yeah, I thank them for that, but, um, they're excited to see where I go as well, but they keep up with it for sure.
0: You know, one of the things that you got heavily involved with once you got to say Cloud State, from what I read up, was covering the hockey team. You said you yeah. really liked being part of that. Uh, what was the process of getting reps? I believe you started off as a studio show host wow, and yeah. then moved on from there.
1: You know it all. Yeah, so i uh it's called Husky Productions. It's run by Brian Stanley, who will always be a great mentor to me. He owns a satellite company called Arctic and... um he knows a lot about the industry. I mean, when I say that, it's it's a ton about the industry. So he was a great help in getting in there and, and teaching a lot of us newcomers how the things are going to work around there. Um, but, like, I it's it's student-run. It's a full student-run broadcast. So Husky Productions is essentially the Fox Sports NFL, except you know, we're just saying cloud hockey and we're all students. But, yeah, I started out a uh, scoreboard. So that was a big deal, you know, just push a button to get the scoreboard on that screen, you know, make sure the points are right. Believe it or not, I did make some mistakes. I just remember feeling like it was the end of the world, but, um, learned a lot about that. Then I actually switched over to graphics and game graphics. You know, if someone scores a goal, you're doing all their stats, popping it up on the screen. Then the next year I was uh, in studio doing the intermission reports, all that fun stuff, um, and then this last year I was reporting. So what it is is every year you reapply and you you want to do new positions and you can. We have new producers, new directors every year. All students again. So it was really fun. And that in that sense too it's it's fun to uh I can't really say fun. There'd be some intermission reports that it's like gosh, are you kidding me? You know, Katie talk, we don't have anything uh we just need you to talk for 2 minutes. It's like I'm on TV you guys. Like we're all learning together. So, you know, behind the scenes is learning. They'll make mistakes. I'm, you know, always making mistakes and learning. So it was kind of fun to make mistakes together, I guess. You have to look at a positive of it and to top it off, we're, we're winning awards.
0: What were some of the mistakes you made that uh stick out?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, other than stuttering, there would be uh oh, gosh, I can't even think right now. There just be times that, you know, you're, you're, you can show that you're a little panicked because they said, you know, we're just going to throw you on after a commercial break because we lost our feature. We don't know where the tape is. We can't see it. So just talk for two minutes. And it's like, ah, so, uh, let's run through those, uh, stats once again here. You know, we're saying, saying the same thing you just said two minutes ago, but I've learned that that's the industry. I mean, it's TV for you. You got to be ready and, um, that's great experiences too uh, there'd be times that I'm talking about an intermission report and they're in my ears saying, hey we got to take coach Motzko RIP he's with the Gophers now but coach Motzko in his press conference and take the you know take it to him and I had to transition and learn how to do that um, I can't give you one mistake Logan so There's how did
0: how did having the moment where you're like oh here's two minutes you got to talk how did that change oh your preparation gosh. process
1: uh, a lot definitely a lot the good thing for me is when you're passionate about something as cliche as it sounds it's easy to talk about um but in those moments when you're on tv it's like ah well uh, i'll repeat this you're right i did have to prep differently thinking about any scenario that would happen um as far as that i just make sure that i had a separate storyline ready about a player that maybe we didn't mention earlier and i'd have you know notes down there'd be three different scenarios i'd be like all right so what's the plan here if this happens um and that's probably about it thankfully it, it didn't happen as many times are you know all the everyone there is so talented they all already have jobs in the real world so um it only happened like a handful of times a couple times
0: eventually you moved down to become the on ice side sideline reporter for yes. lack of a better word <laughs> Is is that what your goal was is that what you wanted to do
1: Yes, and it's crazy the plan that's in store for you all the time. I mean, I went to St. Cloud. That's all I wanted to do, and I look back on it. I had, I got to do a different position behind the scenes in studio. I side to finish it off. Yes, that was the position I wanted to do the whole time, but it was crazy that I you know learned everything else before I got there. Um, if you were to ask me what my favorite is, I don't know. I really don't know. Someone asked me the other day, do you like hosting, reporting? I really am in a place right now where I love all of them. Um, but reporting was really, f- a guy at the beginning of the season gets stepped on by a skate. This is like my second game and he is gushing blood all over. It. And I'm like, <laughs> they came down to me for an injury report and I'm like, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was so different. Like it was such a different dynamic from being just in a quiet studio to being, I had to have earplugs. It was, there's so much action that the fans are crazy. It was fun to be in the moments, but you know, that first or second game that, John Lazat got cut on his arm. I was uh woken up. I was like, this is it. <laughs> We're in the real world. Did
0: you ever deal with a coach who I like to use the word Popovichian where he uh <laughs> didn't didn't want to be interviewed on the sideline oh. or gave short, bad answers? Oh, yes.
1: Of course. Um I you know what? There I can't be biased, but I I think Bob Motzko is one of the best coaches I've ever ever met and given I I have to meet more, I'm just, I'm just getting out of college, but he was great to work with. And he also was great in teaching me, you know, their respect for coaches. There'd be times we do that second period coming back from a commercial, just a quick on the bench. I I go on the bench, give him a quick uh, question, walk away. And we developed a relationship where I'd kind of give him a thumbs up or like, a "Eh," like, are you okay? Um, Thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, what are you feeling? Cause there, there sure would be games that he just does not want to, there was probably two games though. No matter what is as uh upset as he was on how their power play or their defense was looking out there, he'd he'd try to like be professional and, and give me a good answer back. But sure there was times that it was uh all right, I'm gonna go to Coach Raboyne here, the assistant, <laughs> so I don't have to deal with uh deal with some chaos. But he was always really good on um this year especially on uh giving me a good answer.
0: So I watched the public reel that you have out there and looked up a couple of what It looked like between-period features called your two-minute minors. Oh, yes. Uh, For those who don't know, and you probably don't if you're listening to this podcast, it's essentially uh, kind of get-to-know-the-players, kind of sometimes comedic uh, sort of feature, To I'm assuming just to fill time during period breaks. Where did that idea come from, and how did you develop it?
1: Uh, There's a girl named Michelle McMahon, and she was on NHL Network about two years ago, just moved to uh, Chicago. And when she was actually working, I forgot what her position was, but she was working with the Carolina Hurricanes. And I actually saw, um, uh, I forgot what it was called, but it was the same idea, but it was called in the box for, or something stuck in the box. And she was doing a different dynamic where it started off firing questions at these guys. She'd be like, what's your favorite color? Uh, would you rather be sinking on a boat or be stuck in a, you know, just different scenarios? they It gives them more uh, color to the, to the players. Um, so the idea came from her cause I'm always looking for new things to make our broadcast better. Um, and then all of a sudden there's, there's, uh, on the bench is what it's called, but they're on the NHL. They're always doing the Jacob and all right, Jacob, show them how to do a slap shot. I don't know if you see any of them, but they're just, they're on the ice with, um, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau or any, any top NHL prospect, not prospect, but an NHL player. Nathan McKinnon was a funny one, but they're they're just looking like kind of I hate idiots. I mean, they're looking like idiots out there trying to do a slap shot, and it's entertaining. So I felt like um, I wanted it. I wanted to show more um, personality out of these players because they have so much, and that mm-hmm. was that was different for me being also a peer covering them, but also being one of their you know college um, a, a college student with them. Why is that so hard to say? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but uh, I just wanted to show a lot of their personalities, so that show was uh, it was really fun to get to have their helmet off and kind of show the fans and show on the broadcast who these who these guys are, and also make myself look like a total idiot and not knowing how to do anything.
0: What was the hardest part of you know being a peer of the athletes that you're covering? And I mean, obviously you want to command credibility and respect, but you also right. probably want to be their friend off the ice at times. So it's not a big school. Right. How did you handle that?
1: Yeah, so it was uh I still would consider myself a good friend. I keep up with a lot of them uh throughout the summer. But it was it was different for me. It's not it's Saint Cloud is a fun town to go out in. Um but for me my college career I would go out a few times but it, I wasn't like a crazy going out and especially for the fact that I didn't want to be out and seeing these guys after I just interviewed them or uh their players, even though I love the or players, parents. Even though I love the parents, but you're right. It was kind of difficult to draw that line of like, okay, I need to grow up even though I'm a college student as well and and keep that professional relationship. Um, while also being their friends though, and having respect.
0: Did you feel like you had to sacrifice any of the traditional college experience (laughs) in order to, you know, be as successful as you've been already at this young age?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't call it a sacrifice. Like I said, it wasn't a big deal to me to be doing anything like that. So, uh, I mean there was there's times it was like oh I'd like to go there but you know I'm gonna avoid that but really not not difficult to do in any way. Um, and like I said, they're still really good friends to me. So even if I did encounter any of those circumstances it still was it was there's was a, a way to get out of it or, you know, keep it keep it professional.
0: So as part of your series of two minute minors <laughs> There was one of them where they tried to teach you to shoot a one-timer, yes. and, and it didn't go real well, at least by the footage that you showed. Jimmy Are you better Schultz. at that yet?
1: Okay, so this is funny. <laughs> I, uh, I'm about to break out the truth here, but the first one-timer, so that's Jimmy Schultz. He's amazing. He's going to be a senior this year, uh, top prospect, actually, in the NHL, too. He'll be great. He was a great teacher as well. So the first, the first shot that I took, I kid you not it. Raised it up, went top crossbar. It was incredible. And then I looked at Jimmy, I'm like, alright, we're not putting that one in there. I have to actually mess this up. So that was actually kind of a funny moment. He was like, what did you just do? It's <laughs> like, I have no idea, but it, it worked. But yeah, that was, uh, it was really, that was the first, so that was the first two-minute minor that was on the ice. So that was uh, – it was a lot to get the ice time and to figure out where all my – because I used to play hockey, so make sure I had all my equipment. But I didn't take one-timers because I was only in termites when I quit. Quit. I mean, you can't really say quit, but when I moved to basketball. So but, um, I'm,
0: you're saying I shouldn't believe everything I see on TV.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I I still have work to do. Um, hopefully I I can um improve that one-timer. Uh, that's, yeah, it, it was really fun to learn more. I hope I can do stuff like that in the real world as well.
0: So one of the things when I was uh, doing research for this show, I read that you grew up, as you said, your mom said you were going to do this when yeah. you were 12, but your dad was a radio host and is now, I believe, was a senator, a representative, a yeah. politician of some sort. Did having that exposure to what it was like to be a public figure, for lack of a better word, did that help direct you towards this?
1: Yeah, so um, he, you know, primary was actually just last night. He was uh, reelected for the primary. He's going to hopefully go into his third term in the fall as a U.S. congressman. Um, And, yeah, he's been in and out. He was running for governor when I was uh, sophomore, freshman, sophomore in high school. And then, yeah, you're right, radio host, junior year in high school. He was moving everywhere with all these different things and always being that public figure for me, it was very beneficial. I look back on it now that I wasn't allowed. There would be times that, especially with social media growing in that moment, there was times that, you know, you have to, even though you're a 15, 16-year-old, you have to make sure you're on your best behavior online, um, which wasn't too difficult. But at times, you just want to be a teenager and fit in with everyone else and say what you want, um, essentially. So having him as that public figure, it affected all of us, but it made me better today. I, I can't. I have nothing that I need to worry about. Uh, taught me a lot of lessons as well, and uh, following him along to the radio shows and everything really maybe intrigued me as well for this position that I'm getting into.
0: So I know nothing about his show or his politics, yeah. but I know that every politician and uh, political talk show host is going to get heavy criticism from oh, somebody. Did
1: right. All the did, time.
0: Did seeing him go through that help you to maybe grow a thick skin?
1: Oh, and he's still going through it. Um, I have to find myself or I just have to stop doing it there there'd be times even this last week before the primary you're just you find yourself on Twitter seeing things it's it's really sad to see what people can can say now on uh, online that they probably wouldn't to your face obviously but the criticism from Collins on the radio the way he handles it it's just he's very swift about it for me it'd be a little bit harder just coming from the Six Boys myself I'm a I can't say aggressive, but I, you know, there's times that you just have to let things go. And, and seeing from his, seeing him do that in such a swift manner really inspired me um, to just ignore it and keep working hard. So, yeah, that was another thing.
0: So I believe this is the ninth or tenth year of the Jim uh, Nance Award being given out. And I didn't want to lead with this because it's one of those things that probably shouldn't really be important, but you are the first female winner. Yeah and we've had a lot of Y chromosomes on this show. So <laughs> what does it mean to you personally to kind of be the person to break that barrier?
1: Incredible. And, you know, it's cr- I had absolutely no idea until they, they uh, announced I was the winner and announced this, and if I can do anything to just inspire – it's sports broadcasting has been around for women forever, obviously, but especially younger college women, if I can do something – to to inspire a lot of these younger women that they can literally do whatever they want. Nationally, I mean, keep going for it. It's it's normally the play-by-play uh um award winner. So I kind of opened up doors to other girls knowing like hey, it's not just play-by-play. It's all around reporting. I think for uh John Chilesnick too, he's excited to see that. I know they've had women uh, apply um and just raising awareness, I guess, for an award that you can get recognized for and just keep working hard in college. And as women, we're right up there and we can do it too. So I feel honored to be that, that first woman to get, to get the award. And hopefully it uh, pays off down the road. I'm hoping just woman after, you know, I'm just kidding. but
0: <laughs> I wasn't there. So I don't know for sure, but you got a nice video message from, oh I believe it was, well, I'm just going to let you tell the story.
1: Oh my gosh. So they uh give me the award. I give, you know, a little thank you. I get off and they go, yeah, so now we have a, uh now we have a, a special, you know, award for you for this. And I look up at the screen and we are at uh, Wake Forest, the basketball stadium. So I look up at the big boards and first it's the one and only Jim Nance and it kind of gives you chills i can't say kind of it was it was an amazing moment just seeing him congratulate me on tape and say like i said say my name it's like so great katie emmer i'd like to you know congratulate you for this award it it was really fun to see him um then after that i'm thinking all right well that was fun i'll go and take my seat no we have one more i look up i have beth moens michelle smith uh, Holly Rowe and Jessica Mendoza standing in the booth at a women's fast pitch um, tournament. And Jessica Mendoza, out of them, Jessica Mendoza has been, like for the last four years, ever since she started at ESPN, has been the number one. I remember my dad one day was like, have you seen this girl on MLB? She's on ESPN right now, but she's so great. She's an analyst for baseball. It's crazy. And she was a former softball player, so she just knows so much. And it was unbelievable. I still am just like, what did I just see? They all said congrats, and it was so cool to see women too that are so successful in this um, stand up there and uh, and say you know congrats to me, and I'll keep that video forever as well. So that was really fun.
0: Have you been able to connect with any of them after the event and uh, kind of get to pick their brain at all?
1: Not yet. Uh, hoping so. I actually sent all of them some thank yous because it was an amazing moment for me, and I couldn't be any more. Uh, Grateful for them. Uh, I sent them some thank yous through a a business card in there. So we'll see. I understand they're very busy, especially Mendoza. She has something going on every week with baseball. So um, we'll see. We'll certainly see.
0: So what does trailblazers like Beth Moens, like Jessica Mendoza, what does that mean to you and other women in sports in general? I guess you can only speak for yourself, so maybe that's a dumb way to ask the question. Well, no, I
1: mean, I I don't know. It's, It's really good. No matter who you are as a woman, it's, it's nice to have someone you can relate to in a way. I mean, we're all women, yes, but Jessica Mendoza, I'm a former athlete. It's so fun to see, to relate to her and she's a little bit more built. She's a little bit, you know, she, she's tough and she knows the industry. And for me, I would, I would, I'm not all up there with her. I'm not as cool. I didn't play in the Olympics, but I still, you know, would, I admire her that, you know, for that and that I can relate to her toughness and, and, uh, inspire to be, uh like her i try to emulate a lot of things that she does um her and even jamie hirsch here from minnesota on nhl network so it's really good to have these have so an array of so many women in sports that you can pick and choose from i mean who who you want to emulate the most and who you inspire to be the most so
0: so when somebody says yeah did you even play you can you can tell them (laughs) yes
1: yeah, I mean, I'm not as, again, not as uh, cool as a lot of them, but I did play. I mean, I know. I was asked that last night at the Twins game. I was like, I know a few things. I was a catcher, okay? I have a story. When I was at the Twins last night, Joe Maurer overthrew a, a ball. He was taking grounders at first. I was behind the catcher at home plate, and he overthrew a ball that hit me right in the knee. Best moment of my life. <laughs> I can now die happy. They all turned around. They're like, we are so sorry. Like, they were petrified that they just hit the reporter in the knee. And uh, I was like, I played softball, boys. It's okay. Like, <laughs> My dad told me to pick it up and just chuck it back there. Yeah, just but, show
0: off that arm right, right. back at him. Yeah. Um, what are you doing for Fox Sports North right now? I know you're doing some work for them. You mentioned doing uh, some pregame stuff for the yeah. Twins game. How did that come about, and what exactly are you doing?
1: Yeah, so... Um the St. Cloud State broadcast, what I didn't mention is it was so fun to work together as a student crew, but also be so close to the Twin Cities where Fox didn't have it in Brian Stanley's relationship with Fox. He would work out some games where, hey, we don't have a Timberwolves game, a wild game, take our airtime for the night. And that happened about 12 games this last season. So we developed a relationship with them. They knew a little bit about me as a college student. Hockey Day in Minnesota was in St. Cloud this year, and I was so, I was. So grateful to actually be a part of that full day broadcast on their crew. So met the producers, everyone's so welcoming. Uh, really fun to get to know everyone and work with, uh, a lot of the people that I've, ha- have inspired me. Kevin Gorg, Marnie Gellner, all the Tom Hanneman, everyone else. Um, but yeah, so that relationship started there and, um, they, they followed up with me at the end of this season or end of this year, uh, talking about some potential, new shows they're throwing in twins live they're doing you know the pregame show they're going to do a stand-up show desk list kind of like new ideas um so they they wanted me to join in on that uh and then last night was another another new show it's a batting practice show so they they do a show before the game starts and kind of re-air it twice before the game actually starts it was actually a really nice show too just a lot of banter a batting practice behind them, you know they had Joe Mauer talking about the game, Kyle Gibson talking about his pitching um, so they're just they 're kind of giving me these reps to to throw me in there and, and fill in for their creative shows that they 're thinking so hopefully that 's what I get to do down here uh, the rest of the year.
0: This is completely unrelated and <laughs> but because it 's a podcast i 'm just going to say it anyway. I love going to batting practice from major league. Uh, athletes are really warm ups for Nba anything that's where you see how good they are yeah. like, when they're hitting like ten home oh runs my in gosh. a row you and have you're seen just like Max,
1: Max Kepler last night <laughs> and like I this mean...
0: guy's not even a power hitter right. and they're just jacking them out right
1: yeah they can do whatever they want and here I am i'm not a pro, but I do remember those days the batting practice getting the slow pitch uh, at the beginning of the games warming up and you just felt like the best hitter in the world and then game time it's a little bit more difficult trying to take that pitch but yeah, it was really fun to be. It, I do love batting practice, too, and that was right next to the action. I was on the Pittsburgh Pirates sideline last night or dug outside last night, but I still got to be around it.
0: I don't know if this is a thing that sideline reporters do for lack of a better word in baseball, but I know play by play people usually hang around batting practice yep. to try to get lots of uh, little tidbits for yep. the game broadcast. How do you handle batting practice in your role?
1: Yeah, so uh last night was my first one sort of working. Uh but I did see Dick Bremer, Bert Blylevin. They do walk around, uh they, they talk with coaches, you know, see how things are. I know how that that's in the NFL too when I've been a runner for Fox. Um, and I also was able to shadow FP Santangelo at, uh, uh, the Nationals Park last. He's a analyst for the Nationals, but I got to see a batting practice there too. I've been grateful to see how that works. But yeah, it's for me yesterday. It was fun to, you know, meet new people. Again, it was my first day being at a batting practice working, but I met a lot of the twins crew and a lot of their media relations people. Um, and yeah, just kind of learn the whereabouts, I guess, and, not not to the coach's point yet. Wasn't really working on uh, reporting the game as much as just doing the pregame, but it was uh, it was fun to be around it for sure and see how Dick Bremer kind of runs that.
0: So what's next now that you're done with school?
1: I know. It's a scary question. I just graduated last Friday, and I'm like, all right, I'm actually – you're so excited to get out of this college feeling, and now I'm in the real world. It already – you know, it's four days into the real world here. So I, the next step um, – Hopefully sticking around Minnesota, we'll see. I'll probably uh, let everyone know in about a week or so, but um, I'm excited. I hope uh, I I continue to get better and get more reps in this industry and just keep on learning is my whole entire focus.
0: Do you you feel like this whole process of winning the Nance Award and going to North Carolina and all of the attention, I'm sure that that drew, do you feel like that's helped uh, build momentum towards being able to find something right away? Oh, of
1: course. Yeah. Yeah. for me, it's helped, uh, personally. It was so, just so great. It's been, as I said, surreal to be honored by the one and only Jim Um, but also like you said, people reaching out, there's been, um, as far as job offers, there's been news and, and a little bit of talent agencies here and there. Um, so the recognition and the attention has been really good, but as far as for me, it, it was a good feeling to just be recognized. Um, and hopefully, uh, Others, like I said, women, I mean, I hope they, they can do the same because it really does help your career. It's a, it's a good instant verification, instant validation, I think is the word I want. Um, but no, that's, yeah, that's it. Just instant uh, validation on, hey, you can do it, what you want to do, basically. And it's not just my mom saying I'm the best. It's, it's uh, other people saying you have a talent that I still am g- going to continue to work on, but it was a, a great feeling.
0: So you've dabbled, or I shouldn't say dabbled, your experience is mostly in TV. Have you dabbled in radio and other mediums, print at all?
1: Yes. So we mentioned it before, you're setting up this, uh, see, what do you even call this? Uh, This is a mixing board. Mixing board, yep. So... I took a couple, or only one radio course. You, you, uh, you said it right. I did a lot of TV, but also at St. Cloud, they have a radio, uh, radio station. So I did a show called KVSC Sidelines. Every Friday morning at 12 p.m. for a half hour, we talk about every single sports, uh, uh, team that you could think of, uh, anything going on, LeBron James getting traded, anything. Uh, so they, we would have probably, it was normally guys too. I'd be the host of this show is about four, three to four uh, guys on the panel that would give a lot of personality on issues and it was really fun. Uh, So I worked radio a little bit and that was actually also televised at the same time. So it was kind of like a, why can't I think right now? Colin Coward around the horn (laughs) in the way. So it was fun.
0: Do you feel pressure as a female in sports and you it's like one of those things where you probably shouldn't have to, but right. a lot of the reality is most of the people who are getting top jobs have a certain look to them. Do you feel pressure to have, to have a certain look or anything like that? I'm a, like, that's such a double standard because I'm no, a radio guy and no, I, I can be fat and question. out of shape and no one cares.
1: No, <laughs> everyone cares, but that is a great question. It's, um, for me too, just a small town Minnesota girl, it's, it's it, last night I mentioned, I mean, again, the twins game, it was, uh, Having the, the line between the, uh, batting practice ticket holders and every, you know, and then me. And I'm like, I'm just a simple person. I promise. It just felt like such a weird feeling. Like I'm supposed to be someone super special, even though I'm still really, you know, low on the totem pole trying to work up. But there, there is a, a, definitely a pressure as a woman too, um, going into this industry thinking I have to be a certain way. Um, but going back to Jessica Mendoza or any of these Beth Mullins, anyone, uh, you can, you can literally Gosh, how do I say that? You know, you can be whoever. There's so many different types of women reporters that there's no way that you can feel like you need to be one thing or the other. Uh, For me, that kind of helps the pressure is just seeing someone that I can relate to and knowing that, hey, they're like me, so this is going to work out for me, too, or anything.
0: So despite a uh, (laughs) one-semester break to Hawaii, you've been in Minnesota for most of your life. Yeah, does the accent hold you back yeah, at all? Yeah. I don't hear it too bad here, but it comes out every now and then.
1: Nope. Um, I've, I've heard it. It's probably been at least three times a month. There's been someone that's like, hey, you know, if you, it makes sense. This is the industry. You know, if you want to go national, you're going to have to, you can't go to Boston and be like, hey there, kiddos. Welcome back to your hockey show. This is me on <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So you can't be talking like that. But, um, and that's another thing. You just hear me say, so you can't. That's what someone called me out for the other day. You can't say, yeah. But um, there's been situations where um, I've been told to probably change around what I say in a certain way and work on that. It's so different, though, having someone tell you, hey, because you don't notice it. It's an accent. You have no idea. Um, but, yeah, if I wanted to go to the East Coast, I'm not going to fit in very well. Or if I want to, you know, maybe go California, it's going to stand out. Even going to Hawaii, they would call me Canada because they said it's the same thing. They were like, you sound like you're from Canada, so it's the same thing. So I've gotten flack for it over the years for sure.
0: Is it something that you're taking steps to change or is it something you're not going to worry about until a situation that requires you to change it would happen?
1: Yeah, I think in the next year, uh, my first professional job, I'll start to make changes towards it because I do want to be successful in this industry and be versatile and be able to go anywhere. Um, so I want to be um, attractive to anyone in any, any industry and I don't want that, those things to hold you back, to hold me back. Um for me though it's I have such a focus on hockey right now that if I am in my head I'm like gosh if I stick with hockey I don't have to change a thing. <laughs> they all talk Canadian or Minnesotan so um yeah we'll see what what I end up doing but to answer the question I think it's it is something I'll be working on this next year to try to at least narrow down and not make it as obvious to some. Hockey
0: is almost like a niche within the sports niche. It's very it's got almost like a small-town feel to hockey yeah. fans. They're all just kind of in it together. Does that make covering hockey as opposed to other sports, which is, I mean, you do everything, but hockey's you clearly your love. Yeah. Is that something that, how do I say this, is that something that draws you to it?
1: Yeah, so... I mean, when you, when you asked me that question, I immediately thought about the state hockey tournaments here in Minnesota. My six brothers, every year I was lucky enough to be going to that hockey tournament in March, staying in St. Paul, going to the XL every day. There's such a camaraderie, I guess I could say, with every single high school, no matter if you made it or not, no matter if your, your high school's facing the other high school for a state title. Everyone's joining together. It's, we had more um, people show up, in the, I think this past year too, to the to the playoff Stanley or Stanley Cup playoff Minnesota State High School Championship games for each class than the NBA Finals in 2012. I'm pretty sure. Um, so there's a lot of people that pack uh, in the XL for this this gathering, and so that love of it really really makes you more passionate about it to be talking. Uh, about it for a, for a job. Um, and there's the hockey world is so small, too. I mean, there's even, for example, Shane Gersich played my high school, Delano, Delano High School team, uh, back when I was a senior. And then he goes to UND and just casually wins the Stanley Cup after, you know, committing and uh, leaving, going into the NHL with the Capitals this season. I mean, it's like you know these people from high school, and it's just such a small world that everyone kind of knows everyone, especially in the state of Minnesota. Um, so yeah, I really do think that that makes me a little bit more passionate, and loving to talk about it because I, I know so much.
0: Did he bring the Stanley Cup back, and did no. you get to see it?
1: No. So <clears throat> he, he—I forgot what I heard, but I know for sure. I don't know if you you kept up, but Tom Wilson, when he got suspended, because he is the most aggressive player, he got suspended for a—I forgot what it was—some roughing call for about three games. And Shane Gersich stepped in for him as a forward. It um, was in the game. But uh, I don't know if he's getting his name on the cup because you have to get a certain amount. I'm still learning about that. You have to get a certain amount of games or minutes or something on ice, which is interesting. But I don't know if he'll bring it back. Uh, I know Oshi was up in Warroad with it, though. There's been a lot of... That's what I'm saying though. Cullen wins it last year, and he's in Moorhead. I mean, it's like the state of Minnesota is going to get the cup every year, no matter what. Regardless, like you have to think of that. So Niskanen, for example, this year. I mean, it's everyone so, knows everyone in the state. So.
0: So when the inevitable moment comes, when you're around it, when someone's bringing it back, oh what gosh. would you drink out of the cup?
1: Uh, probably an ice cold tea. <laughs> Just a nice, iced tea.
0: It's a good diplomatic answer. (laughs) So one of the things I ask just about everybody who comes on this show, and maybe you don't have a lot of them yet because you're young in your career, but I like to call them broadcast horror stories where you're going on the air and something goes horribly, horribly wrong (laughs) that you can laugh at now that uh, at the moment was petrifying. Do you have any of those yet?
1: Yes, I have one from this last year because I was just talking about it to someone this weekend. So, I mean, these are probably, I mean, I hope I uh, don't encounter worse ones going down the road, but I already know that you're going to hit something that's going to be pretty uh horror story-ish. But this last season, when I was reporting, uh, we have three Paling twins. are from Lakeville. They're amazing. Or sorry, th- two twins. They're three brothers, two twins. Ryan Paling's the youngest. Um But the two twins, I kid you, they're identical. There's no way you can tell them apart. Now I've gotten to the point where I can, thankfully. But Nick and Jack, and there was a time at least three games, or maybe two games, where post-game interview, we're going to send it down at Katie Emery standing alongside one of tonight's uh, stars of the game, and I would look over. Lakes, guys, I'm with Nick, Jack, Jack, Jack. I'm with Jack. Uh, Jack Paling, and uh, and then I'd ask him the question. I'd like have a panic attack. I knew who I had it. I knew who I had next to me, but for some reason, when they sent it down, I just completely lost what I was doing, and I looked at him. I'm like, which twin do I have? Which twin do I have? I don't know. So it, those are funny moments, and they kind of would smirk at me. They're like, yeah, don't worry. We get it all the time, but I had to learn quickly the differences, the little discrete differences with each of these twins.
0: What's the most <laughs> difficult like name that you've had to announce in hockey with all the Russian and Scandinavian names. Oh,
1: wow. Luko Savages, Jared Luko Savages. Uh, what team is he? I can't mess this up. I think
0: you can, it's okay.
1: Jared Luko Savages. I think he's, uh, I want to say Western Michigan, but, uh, it was, it was difficult it was really difficult to say. I, I can't even spell it right now.
0: <laughs> With the last, uh actually, by the time this is out, there will be two shows back. We had the guy who does the National Spelling Bee what? on the show. So we'd have to see if he could do that. He also does Fresno State uh football, basketball, and baseball. But he does the Spelling Bee, and he had me try to spell something. So I was going to have you try to spell oh. Lucas Savage. Now you have it on your phone. That's cheating.
1: I can't even find him, though. <laughs> um But, yeah, it was... uh you know, that was another hard part is, um, again, you're learning. But as a student, I'd do an intermission report, get off, and someone's like, you said this kid's name wrong every time he got the puck. I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, here we go. Oh, Denver. Gosh, what was I thinking? It's Denver. Are you ready? Yes. Jared, so J-A-R-I-D, and then it's L-U-K-O-S-E-V-I-C-I-U-S.
0: <laughs> yep, I probably wouldn't have got that one right. But.
1: uh yeah, there's a lot of them, though. like Brady Shea on the Rangers. I mean, there's different names that you're just like, I would have no clue how to even tackle that until you hear it on, uh, on a broadcast. So
0: what's your preparation process when you're getting ready to be uh, do the on-ice reporting?
1: Yeah, so I, um, I do a lot of, you know, update on injury reports. I'd make sure I, I knew that. Uh, going into each game week, it was nice. We had Tuesdays or Wednesdays where we'd have sit-downs because uh, we would have the features during the weekend, you know, a feature on – a senior feature on Coach Matzko going to the um, U.S. Juniors, um, so we would have these sit downs, and in those sit downs, I'd be able to, you know, interview them for on camera stuff and off camera. I'd be like, hey, you know, what's it looking like against Western Michigan this weekend, or you know, how is this going to play out against the, you know, against Colorado, or, or what? What are you thinking? And um, got some insight from him on good storyboard hits, um, looking at their power play. All that fun stuff. I don't want to bore you, but it's uh, there's a lot of different aspects I would look to. Um, also, as a reporter, you would you know you need uh, you know live game stories. You need something to spice up the broadcast. So there would be uh, um, whether it's a kid in the crowd that's been going every year. We had one uh, one kid from um, uh, one of our first games this season, Boston. Gosh, I think it was Boston yeah, Boston College, and one of their equipment managers is 13 years old and lost his parents, and all he has is hockey now, and he loves hockey. They bring him with on the plane rides. There's just stories like that that I really try to piece together before the fact. Sometimes they happen that day, um, but that's kind of my prep is thinking, okay, yes, I have these stats to you know, mention in interviews, but what am I going to also use to spice up and mm-hmm. color the broadcast?
0: Who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to, both kind of in a – regional basis and on a national basis oh
1: boy well regional um i believe anthony lapanta is amazing at what he does i believe it and i've seen it i'll tell you that right the, this guy's incredible at his job um, it just comes i can't say easy he works so hard to get to where he is but he's such a natural that makes it almost easy for him so it's really good to listen to him and it's a voice too which which is crazy for me growing up in the state of Minnesota is now working alongside them is so, is so fun to me. Um, but he's been a voice that you just, you, you, re- you remember when you hear it right away. Um, gosh, nationally, and I keep focusing on hockey here. I don't know who my national would be because it's, it's everyone on, uh, NBC for so sure. Does it
0: rhyme with Schmock Schmemrick?
1: <laughs> yeah. Doc Emrick's great. I also like Pierre Maguire a lot, even though some would. Big to differ. I do like him. Um, I think he does a great job. And, uh, yeah, I need to like branch out to, you know, football or baseball right now, but all I can think of is hockey. Um, see right there, hockey, ha- hockey, hockey. <laughs> Can't say it right.
0: So when you are going back and reviewing your work, what are you doing? What are you looking for
1: in your tape and
0: your clips to improve?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something a lot of people, I think could relate to is watching yourself or hearing yourself sometimes isn't the best. And that was what I started learning to do when I first started doing TV at St. Cloud state. It's still difficult to do. Cause it's like, you're so you're your biggest critic and you always will be. So things in my, in my mind that I'm like, why was I, you know, moving this or why, why did I turn this way? Or what was I thinking when I said that? I mean, it's stuff that some would just, Oh, I didn't even notice. I mean, my parents will be my best friends and be like, Katie, uh, you look fine. You know, they have to say that, but I will say when you're you think you mess up in your head and you again you're your biggest critic, so you get off air, you're a little, you know, down in the dumps and you watch your tape and it really isn't as bad as you may have thought. There is always things I am so firm on this that no matter where I go in the next ten years, I'm always gonna be picking apart what I do and learning learning from it. But um as of right now I'm just looking for when I forget what I'm gonna say, I sometimes do like an eye twitch for some reason. I don't know why. So I need to work on that. There's just a lot of these like mannerisms that I do a lot too, but um, probably just smiling more and and focusing on just, um, yeah, focusing on not you know looking calm and looking cool and collected is my is my number one thing. So.
0: Have you ever done play-by-play? Yeah. Tell me the story.
1: Uh, I've done color for two hockey games, and I did play-by-play for about. We switched over at a St. Cloud State baseball game, I think in the fifth inning. I forgot who it was that let me take over, and it was so fun. I really liked baseball. I really, really liked baseball. Um, Some would say it's so slow. Like, There's so much time. It's just so, for me, it's just so peaceful to be like, all right, so-and-so steps in the box, 5'6", from Warroad, Minnesota. You know, you're just kind of, it's so easy to, to, to do, not easy, but it's, it comes kind of natural to most to just be able to see to say what you what you're seeing and baseball is a game too on radio most would say that you can color it as much as you can it's like the most <laughs> colorful game on on radio so um, it was really fun to do play by play for baseball. I
0: imagine merging all the fun little stories and tidbits and getting them in quick probably is a transferable skill from what you do a lot.
1: Yes, yes, um, that is yeah for for sure.
0: So, if anybody wanted to reach out to you and, uh, hire you for some type wow. of job, how would somebody get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Katie Emmer is my name. If, uh, hopefully everyone knows. And that's, that's kind of everything that I, uh, go off of on social media is just at Katie Emmer, Katie.Emmer. Um, and I also have a website, katieemmer.com.
0: <laughs> but I, uh, I think that's all I got for today. I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure, and good luck with uh, you as you move forward.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon down the road. Thanks for listening
0: to the Say the Damn Score podcast. Remember to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice by clicking the big red subscribe button at the top of saythedamnscore.com. Also, please follow me on the social media outlet of your choice. And remember iTunes reviews, emails, or any other kind of honest feedback is greatly appreciated and helps to make the show better. Finally, please reach out to the guests of the show and just thank them for coming on and let them know that you appreciate them sharing their stories on this podcast. As always, I'm Logan Anderson, and the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.